Hey, welcome. I'm your host, Gregory Ricks, a financial advisor here to answer your questions and help you win with your money. And I'm your co-host, James Parker. Today's episode is going to be all about getting help from Medicaid with long-term care. Just about everything you hear from this episode, we're going to be reading straight from some document we got on Medicare.gov and Medicaid.gov. And we also have a complimentary download waiting for you on this topic. Go to the webpage for this episode. It's at GregoryRicks.com slash podcast 70. This is episode 70, so GregoryRicks.com slash podcast 70. They're protecting the house. They'll protect a car. Money can be used for cemetery purposes. But as far as investments, savings, and such, the person needing the care, and once again, we're talking about qualifying for Medicaid. And this basically means you don't have much money. So if you have money, and, and we get these questions all the time where folks are coming in and kind of saying, you know, we'd like to protect our money. What is there a strategy to reposition our assets? And, and there is a five-year look back. So if you don't own the assets and you essentially have to qualify with less than, as far as I believe the 2019 numbers are, it can vary a little bit by state. But if you make less than $2,313 per month and have less than $2,000 in resources, that's money and checking savings, meaning the person receiving the care. And now the spouse can have money, but no more than what'd you say? 123,000 roughly. So yeah. if they have more than that and you have more than that and say, you're the one needing the care. You're going to have to spend your money till you get down to those amounts. And I, I tell you what, when, when you get down to $123,000 for the at-home spouse, that's not much money left. For the rest of your life, right? Yeah, for the rest of your life. We don't know how long that is, but that person's not needing facility care or or needing care, meaning you can't perform normal activities of daily living. You probably, you probably can't walk. You probably can't get out of bed. You could have dementia, a number of these things. And if people don't have money, that's where this is going to. And you're going to be, and if you're needing facility care, you're going to be someplace that the they've got to deal with the government to pay for. Now, if you said, well, well, heck, what if I'm getting a social security check and stuff like that, that goes to them and any other money that, and if you're making more than that, you're not qualifying for care. If you're more than that in assets, they're not paying for it. You're using your money. And uh, sometimes I'll have the conversation when family comes in and, well, what do we do to protect this money? You know, it's going to cost money them. I'll say, you know, it is their money. That money is there for them. And that's what it should be used for. You can't go, you know, when somebody's needing care, you're not going to go and all of a sudden, oh, we got to move this money somewhere else. They're going to penalize you because they're going to go and look, you can't just move this money. It gets more of a concern when they have family going through this or parents or see relatives that are in situations where maybe they had some money, 
uh, maybe had 250,000 and, and both parents end up needing care and that money gets spent and they said, well, well, we wouldn't, they couldn't get any help until the money was spent. Well, yeah, that's what the money's for. Medicare does not pay for long-term care. Once you run out of those hospital days that's built into the system, your money's paying for the extended care. Like dementia is not a long-term covered care under Medicare. You're going to have to use your, your money. And then if you are poor, well, that's where Medicaid comes in, but you're, and look, it's actually violation of federal law to try to game that system and do workarounds or mislead or hide money, you know, and, and there was a case recently talked about where, you know, they've, they've got, uh, let's say $700,000 and half of it's after tax dollars, half of it's IRA money. And I said, well, you know, you can put that non-qualified money can go in a trust. Your house can go in a trust. Your go bars can go in a trust, irrevocable trust. And remember there's a five-year look back, but those IRAs are not going in a trust. That pension income is not going in a trust and you're getting social security income. So I don't know how you're going to look poor and an IRA can't be owned by a trust. That's a taxable event. It takes a human, somebody with an actuarial life to own an IRA. Otherwise you're going to have to cash it and pay uncle Sam all that tax up front. So you're, you're not going to look poor. So if when you get in that situation, you can think about it. Well, you know, what we do know is because what care costs, our assets aren't going to handle that for a long period of time. Cause th- think of the a facility that they probably didn't like might've cost four grand a month. Well, the one that they probably would, I would be okay with being at this place. Well, that place might cost eight, nine or 10,000 a month. And you can see that if that's over. 12 months or well, there, there you go. Math's easy. hundred K plus three years. You just went through $300,000. You had 750,000. Now you're at 450 roughly there. And then you pass away. Well, then the other has got to survive on that and such. So when you, you look at that, you're not going to show up poor. And from an income standpoint, if you've, you've got household couple, social security checks, you've got a pension, you got the RMDs coming, you're not going to show up poor. So what we're looking at is more or less people that don't have much that are going to burn through this money and end up in that situation. But what I was speaking of also is when you have family comes in in this situation of the parents, what do we do? And some are thinking, cause you know, what happens money's on the table? Like what? That, that 400,000, we'd like to split that up. What well, you can't, it's gotta be used for their care. Well, what can we do? Be prepared to spend that money. I've had conversations like that. Prepare yourself. You're going to spend down some assets. All right, you covered a lot of good points there. Number one is uh, for those who are expecting Medicare to be picking up these nursing facility stays, the number of days of care in a skilled nursing facility covered in full or part by Medicare, 100 days, that's all you get. 
And then something else you touched on, it's not just assets that you have in the bank that Medicare's that Medicaid's looking at on whether or not they're going to give you a little bit of assistance with long-term care. You said they are, they're also looking at income, and that counts pension income. The maximum amount of monthly income that a healthy spouse can receive for the other spouse to be eligible for long-term care benefits provided by Medicaid in 2018, $3,090. So that's, that's, that's the max. So if you have a pension coming in, money from any other income source and you and you break that 3090 bucks you're not making enough money to pay for a super nice healthcare facility but you're not going to get any help either i'll take this a little bit further 85 and up one out of three have alzheimer's or some form of dementia one out of three so when you end up running out of money and needing care you're probably not going to be aware of it you might be unhappy, but you're not going to really have that full, coherent, present knowledge that, yeah, I'm place smells like pee. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't want to be here. Okay. But you're not understanding your environment. Now, here's the flip side. So one out of three has dementia. Two out of three doesn't. And your body's winding down, but your mind is not. That lies the problem. So the percentage of nursing home residents whose care is provided by Medicaid, what do you think that is? The, the, the percentage of people who are in a nursing home who are just left with the bare minimum that the federal government can, can hand out to them. It is 62%. 62% of nursing home residents have their care provided by Medicaid. I want to be in that other 38%. And it's a it's a huge expense on uh, on Medicaid. Twenty percent of their funding went to pay for long term care costs, and that's expected to go up by fifty percent over the next ten years. Forty eight percent of households in America, headed by individuals at least age fifty five, have no retirement savings. So yeah, guess what? It's going to be even more than that. The number of insurers offering standalone long term care policies. 125 now there's a little bit of competition out in the marketplace but it's still wildly expensive i'd ran some numbers on one of our other shows kind of giving premiums of examples of long-term care so from an individual depending on age it could run anywhere from a few thousand a year up to ten thousand a year in premium also depending upon coverages and you need to be of good health when you're asking for it you're not all of a sudden going to have a bypass and clogged arteries and memory issues and apply for that coverage Uh, it's experience based so it also tells us premiums are going up over time on long-term care coverage Part of the problem with long-term care coverage is everybody's not using it so it's actually few are using it so that costs are not spread. And if you had bought coverage, say, 20 years ago, you probably got the Cadillacs compared to what they are today in those types of plans. I had a discussion with a couple today as an example, and I I look at how can we leverage money. And basically the the type of plans we kind of talk about, you can take a block of money, and put it to work in this strategy and give you an example of, and I'll just use a round number because I ran this the other day, like a hundred thousand dollars. And I, it's a, it's a discussion point, not a starting point where somebody 
may not do this much, but it, it makes the, it easy from a math standpoint. And I don't think using 10,000 is getting us enough numbers for that discussion. But it, it was on, on the wife because that was kind of their concern is about the wife being younger than the husband and saying, well, she, you know, I'm going to be gone before her. She's going to need help. And his concern was, I need to make sure she's going to be taken care of because I won't be around then. So the example was, if we put 100000 to work in that strategy, it could become $600,000 in long-term care benefits. But what if she didn't need long-term care? What if she just died? Well, it would pay a death benefit, I think, was around $174,000. And the other option would be, well, we changed our mind. We don't need it anymore. Somewhere down the line, they say, well, we won't out. Okay, 80% of the money would come back out in that case. So one of three things are going to happen. Mom passed last year, not quite a year ago. And I don't know that we have time for the whole backstory, but uh, just kind of start at the beginning. And it ties a lot to how we do planning and think about things, investing, the financial path, the the guided planning system is uh, my dad was killed offshore back early in college for me. And the way it ended up, mom settled and basically was a seven-figure settlement, big pile of money, and guaranteed income for life. She took more of the pile of money, smaller amount of the guaranteed income. So she was in her early 40s and was a millionaire as a result of that settlement. Well, fast forward 10 years later, that money was gone. 10 years? Yeah, essentially about 10 years later, that money was gone. Gone. I don't think I ever she knew had it was that the mon- fast. Monthly income, and uh, yeah, she, so she then had the monthly income. Fast forward to the past few years, her health had declined. Uh, she's one of those that would drink Coca Cola for breakfast. I'm not a fan of that idea, but and habitual smoker. So she she had habits that didn't add to great health. So as her health wound down, she, you know, in her last, she was dealing with cancer, emphysema, uh, heart disease. She had had bypasses as well. So being, she's essentially had ran out of money and between the guaranteed income and social security, she was above the Medicaid monthly income amount. So if they took and used that, there still needed to be more money because she had went through the assets there. Um, so what happened and of course there's, she had three children. I have two sisters and one of my sisters and I, and I remember they, she was staying at home and would have, um, somebody come by and check on her as her health was winding down. And then there was one day, a couple years ago, that uh susan had went over to check on her and was no answer at the door and i believe mom had fell and and mom really wasn't coherent so and that kind of upset me so i i told susan i said we're going to have to do something i said i cannot have her die that way and my 
point was is we have to do something because you know so well we'll take we're you know and the sisters were taking turns and stuff and having somebody go over and i i just said it, it can't end this way so we ended up getting her care and then it ultimately led to hospice but if there if she wasn't needing medical her health you know needing doctor intervention and health care uh medicaid wasn't going to pick up and there wasn't medicaid because of her monthly income so in hospice basically they said we're needing somebody to write a check so i told susan from that standpoint i said just let me know what we need to do so between her and i and lisa helped out a little bit but (laughs) but between all of us we got it done and and taking care of that mom otherwise wouldn't have had the means and actually this was a really nice hospice place but this is also one of those cases where mom just kept going you know they said well you know she doesn't have long she probably has weeks left six months later she's still going and of course her daily focus is i wish you would take me home i i'd like to go home i want to go home well she was wanting to get a a cigarette is what she is really wanting to go home for. You know, she can't breathe, is on oxygen, has a bad cough, has cancer, has a tumor in her head, tumor in her lung, but she wants a cigarette. But you see how what happens in that case is, I guess, good thing she had three kids that had done well. So that that money could be kicked in to make a difference because she actually went out in a you know, when she passed and all, the care and the facility was very nice for that because otherwise, I I don't know. But that's kind of my personal story, you know, just to what happened when dad was killed offshore to that money, the money going away, and then end-of-life care. So you, you've got where I've got all these life experiences that I understand about money and income and how we need to protect assets and grow assets. And part of growing assets in retirement is making sure you have money to spend when that time comes. 62% of people though, who go through those long-term care facilities are not in the position your mother's in. They have to take the bottom barrel of whatever Medicaid provides them and they don't get to go to the nicer hospice facility. 62%. Yeah. And, and look, it's it's not all the time, you know, that they have kids that have money to spend and not that there's a lot of money or whatever was there, but everybody doesn't have that. The other family members probably may not well have the means to all of a sudden kick in thousands a month for a period of time. Well, I have another statistic here that outlines something you've talked about on the show before. If you're going to get long-term care insurance, getting it early uh, can have some advantages. For one thing, it's a little cheaper, but also you can be denied for health issues. Only 14% of people applying age 50 to 59 are denied long-term care coverage due to health issues. For people 70 to 79, almost half. 45% of them are denied long-term care insurance due to health issues. They're going to the insurance company with the money saying, we're begging you to sell us this insurance policy, and they won't let them. Almost half. So if you're going to get it, you might want to start 
thinking about that a little earlier rather than later. Does that sound about right? Yeah, that um, program I kind of described where we take a block of money and it, you know, and I use that example of a hundred thousand, whether it be twenty thousand, thirty thousand, fifty thousand, but it also can be paid for monthly over time and build up that block to be leveraged it and it's a variation on life insurance is maybe a simple way to describe it but it's something once again a part of our guided planning system that we talk about and the areas we cover in that when somebody comes in to talk with us is we're going to talk about income planning investments tax efficiency health care and legacy planning we have lance from biloxi mississippi welcome to the show thank you for taking my call um i have two elderly parents that are living in biloxi um i do not live in biloxi i'm actually from florida so uh they're kind of out on the island by themselves and they do have a living trust uh, uh for themselves for both of them and i am the executor of that my father is reaching um kind of where he has to make the crossroads for his end-of-life care. And I know Medicare, just the research that I've done, it's all kind of hitting me at once here, uh, the research that I've done. I know they don't pay for, really pay for end-of-life care. He doesn't have an insurance policy. He has Medicare, and then he has Blue Cross Blue Shield, Mississippi, uh, I think it's government employees um, for his secondary for Medicare. And I was wanting to take advantage uh, of the, the, the current uh, the tax laws uh, that are available to try and help save as much money uh, to take care of both of them as I possibly can. And I was talking with him, and he mentioned that I would you would have to take his trust and make it irrevocable or revocable. I'm not sure. I, that's why I'm calling to ask uh, what your opinion is on that. Okay, so what's the key thing we're doing a workaround here on? You're trying to protect the assets. From yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'd say that. I mean, they have a house that's bought and paid for that's probably worth about three hundred thousand. Uh, they have the the trust account that they have. They probably have about, uh, I'd say, a hundred thousand dollars in there, and they just have some automobiles, and that's about it. Uh, so, okay, so no other assets, no other IRAs, and such as that. Yeah, my dad has a pension. He worked for the VA. He retired from the VA, so he has a pension, and I think he has a life insurance policy, a small one worth of about a hundred thousand. Yeah. So, is this where, because of his health, you're looking at a position if you could get him on Medicaid to pay the bill? I guess, and that's what I'm looking for advice on: is what's the best route to take to help? Because I have also have my mother, who's uh, getting on in years, and she's you know almost eighty. And I have to look at her as well. Besides me, I'm by myself. And what I'm going to have to contribute if they have to go into a, a nursing facility or whatever, I, I want to be able to give them the best possible care for the end of their life that I possibly can. Well, you have to remember there is a five-year look back on anything where if you shift assets to irrevocable trust and such, I would use some money right now to make sure sure they have where they're going to be buried the funeral that stuff taken care of because that's allowable under the medicaid rules there um they're going to penalize you if if you're needing to turn that on and 
the assets were moved elsewhere or inappropriate things done. You don't want to get in trouble on that. So that's where you might want to seek some legal advice as well on repositioning assets. All right. Thanks for hanging out with us today, learning a little bit more about how to get help with Medicaid for your long-term care. Remember, just about everything we read on this episode came from Medicare.gov and Medicaid.gov. But you also have a complimentary download waiting for you on the website for this episode. Go to GregoryRicks.com slash podcast 70. This is episode 70. So GregoryRicks.com slash podcast 70. Yeah, if you're needing help on something like investment planning, estate planning, you know, the guided planning system that we do is uh, income planning. Just start with a 15-minute conversation. 504-832-9200. GregoryRicks.com. Gregory Ricks and Associates is an independent financial services firm that utilizes a variety of investment and insurance products. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management LLC. AE Wealth Management, Gregory Ricks and Associates, WJ Blanchard Law LLC, J Heath and Company, and Mortgage Gumbo are not affiliated companies. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Any references to protection, safety, or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims paying abilities of the issuing carrier. This radio show is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual situation. Annuities are insurance contracts designed for retirement or other long-term needs. They provide guarantees of principal and credited interest subject to surrender charges. Annuity guarantees and protections are backed by the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurer. Hypothetical examples have been provided for illustrative purposes only. It does not represent a real-life scenario and should not be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual situation. Gregory Ricks and Associates is not permitted to offer and no statement made during the show shall constitute legal or tax advice. Our firm is not affiliated or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions contained herein provided by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by Gregory Ricks and Associates. Neither AE Wealth Management nor advisors providing investment advisory services through AE Wealth Management recommend or facilitate the buying or selling of cryptocurrencies. We are Winning at Life with Gregory Ricks.